1: we are
0: all superstars she- oh.
1: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to one hundred and forty five countries, two hundred and twenty TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, I'm joined by yet another phenomenal guest. And before I formally introduce my guest, I just want to quickly, as I always do, publicly thank my corporate sponsors, Halton Honda and Forever, for believing in myself, my guest of each week in the contact content that we bring to you global listeners. I also want to thank my friends and family over at C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, following the live show, you can also find the podcast link of my interview of my guest of each week, also on my host page, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. So who is my guest today? Well, what I can tell you about Steve Olsher is that he is known as the world's foremost reinvention expert, famous for helping individuals and corporations become exceptionally clear on their what, that is, the one thing they were created to do. His practical, no-holds-barred approach to life and business propels his clients towards achieving massive profitability while also cultivating a life of purpose, conviction and contribution. A 25-plus year entrepreneur, Steve is the chairman and founder of Liquor.com, online pioneer who launched a CompuServe's electronic mall in 1993, New York Times bestselling author of What Is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do, author of the Business Technology Book of the Year, Internet Profits, the world's leading experts reveal how to profit online, creator of the New Media Summit, host of the number one rated Radio show, podcast, reinvention radio, international keynote speaker, and an in demand media guest who has appeared on CNN, The Huffington Post, the cover of Founder Magazine, and countless other media outlets. Steve, I want to welcome you to my show, Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. It's quite the repertoire, my friend. How are you?
0: Yeah, do we have any time left for the interview? It's (laughs) (laughs) uh, it's a long bio.
1: It is a long bio, but that just speaks to the quality and the caliber of what you've crafted for yourself in your journey. It's quite impressive, obviously. And uh, this is unscripted. The listeners and the followers know this is unscripted. But the one thing I would like to ask of you, Steve, uh, as I'm sure the listening audience would also be very interested to know, what was the inception of your journey in terms of embarking upon exactly what it is you do today?
0: Uh, well, exactly what I do is that I do today probably started this morning around eight 30 or so when I finally woke (laughs) up. Um, but you know, reality is in terms of this particular iteration of my business and the business that we'll do, you know, probably a couple million dollars this year with, Mm -hmm. um, not liquor.com, but the work that I do sort of under the Steve Olsher personal brand. Um, yeah, that really has been uh, a more of an organic evolving process that uh, pretty much began back in around 2009 uh, mm-hmm. when I started really figuring out how I wanted to make a personal shift from what I call prominence to relevance mm-hmm. and start doing uh, a lot more teaching and speaking and writing and, uh, and podcasting. And uh, you know that's really where it all all began uh, in terms of this current iteration of uh, of what I'm doing.
1: Fantastic! Well, again, congratulations on all your accolades and your ongoing success, your growth, and your momentum. It's quite uh, quite stellar to say the least. So, the one thing I would also be interested to know from you, Steve, is you know when you focus on what is the what of other people who you're interfacing with, whether it's something that you invite people to talk about openly, candidly, vulnerably on your show, uh, or it's people that you're speaking to in a live audience. I want to know, what is your what? What is the one thing that specifically makes you aware of what you feel you were created to do?
0: Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I, I think it's kind of a cop-out of this juncture but I, I would I would honestly say that my what is really helping people discover share and monetize theirs you mm-hmm. know it's become really clear uh, over the last almost ten years and even longer I mean in terms of my my personal journey of trying to figure out how I'm naturally wired to excel and mm-hmm. and really what puts fire in my soul I mean dating all the way back to the days of trying on what color is your parachute and right. strength, strength finders and some of those and you know Myers Briggs and really just mm-hmm. finding that the you know the the fact of the matter is that most of those modalities just left me with more questions than answers mm-hmm. um, and that's why I ended up creating the what is your what framework because I needed something uh, that could really help me hit the ground running and really figure out you know not only how I could do something that I'm good at but you know, something that I could actually monetize. And so that's truly what uh, what my what has uh, kind of morphed into, if you will, over the years now is uh, truly helping people no matter where they are on the path in terms of if they need to discover their what or if they need to share and market it or if they need to monetize it. I mean, it all falls within the wheelhouse of my expertise.
1: Okay. And if we deconstruct what did it is, as you do, because obviously that's at the crux, what you just described in terms of identifying very clearly for yourself, that's your purpose. You know that that's what you're meant uh, to do, and that's what you do in fact do, and you do it very successfully and you anchor people up in the process. But under the guise of all the different hats you wear in which to facilitate maintaining your purpose and helping other people along, what is your favourite vehicle or platform of business that you enjoy doing that?
0: Well, um yeah, you know, we help folks in a number of different ways, but I, I think at this juncture, my favorite uh, vehicle, if you will, and, and when we talk about the what is your what framework, mm-hmm. uh, it's comprised of three specific elements, your core gift, the primary vehicle that you use to share that gift, and then the people that you're most compelled to serve. Uh, for me, the, the vehicle that really puts the most fire in, in my soul and what I enjoy using most and leveraging most uh, it's probably the New Media Summit, which, mm-hmm. is, the, which is the live event uh, that we do where we bring in top podcasters from around the world. And we give uh, a fairly intimate group of 150 attendees the opportunity to meet these 40 podcasters and really learn how to leverage and monetize the power of new media and pitch them on who they are and what they do and literally get booked on the spot.
1: Fantastic. And as a result of these people, are they people who are embarking upon becoming a podcaster already are a podcaster or a little bit of a mix of the two?
0: Uh, Some of them actually are not podcasters at all. I mean, some of them are just coaches or authors or speakers who are looking for more visibility. So they want to get booked on shows. Um, Others are podcasters and others come uh, with the intention of learning more about podcasting and, uh, and aspire to be a podcaster. So it kind of runs the gamut.
1: Okay, so if we want to focus on that specialty, uh, and perhaps again, because of how expansive the listenership is here, Steve, um, you know, more people would probably, this has probably piqued a lot of people's interest. So for people who have been on the fence, let's say those who want to become a podcaster, or perhaps are independent podcasters, but want to become more connected with global platforms in which to raise their exposure, um, their credibility, all of those said things. Do you have... A story, um, like a testimonial in terms of a contrast of somebody who kind of new to everything, don't know what they don't know, they come to you, you impart all this yumminess, it gets them going, uh, fired up in such a way that they're actually now taking massive action, and they have a success story attached to it, in what way that that might be uh, monetizing their business or scaling their business. Do you have such a testimonial for the listeners?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we've got number of I'm different sure studies yeah and one of the things that we do uh is we actually take people from zero to launch mm-hmm. in just two days with our uh launcher podcast two-day intensive so uh, literally people come in with with nothing and leave with uh darn near everything over the course of just two days um so i mean there's uh let me share one of my one of my favorite uh, stories you know part part of what we do and we got to take a step back here you know part of people come to the New Media Summit to get booked on shows, but what they actually leave with is a lot more clarity Mm -hmm. around who they are and what their business is and the value that they bring to the table. Because needless to say, when you have to pitch uh, who you are to get booked on shows, you you really have to be able to articulate uh, that value proposition in in a a really powerful, concise way. And so what ends up happening is we do... uh, Uh, four pre-event training sessions before the summit to help people get that pitch down to help them get clear because reality is, and you know this Lisa, that if, you know, if you can't pitch us to get onto our shows, then, you know, reality is if you don't know how to pitch us in a, in a powerful way, that struggle absolutely is is of issue with you when you're having conversations with clients or prospective clients, right. To try to get them to understand who you are and what you do. So the the fact of the matter is that there's a strong correlation between the two. And as an example, um, a woman came to uh, the New Media Summit who who was more of sort of a woo kind of spiritual type person and felt like that's really where her where her strengths lied. Uh, but what she became very clear on after going through the pre-training and then really trying to just articulate her pitch and so on, what she became really clear on is that she's most compelled to work with powerful men. And Mm. so as a result of of our working together, she launched a show called the Men on Purpose podcast. And she only launched it uh, maybe just a few months ago or now, just a a little bit uh, after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, she's already up to, I think 20 or 25,000 downloads and, and she's being heard and, wow, you uh, get last count, it was 50 or 60 different countries. Um, but a lot of that has to do with just creating, uh, a show that really lends itself to her natural strengths, her natural abilities and understanding who her ideal client really is. And it turns mm-hmm. out that she's really drawn to serving men and and making these men more powerful in their life or business
1: wow brilliant i like her model so if we could also talk about, too, because I would be interested from a psychological standpoint. I mean, for what you do, Steve, you wear a lot of different hats, you know, whether you actually have the credentials attached to being a psychologist, a sociologist, all these things. I mean, obviously, you have to have a pulse on people. You need to be able to read people. So clearly, the demographic of people that would be interested in, in rendering your services, buying your products, et cetera, et cetera, um, they would be people, as you mentioned, they would be coaches, they would be clients, they may or may not be podcasters, but are people who want to increase their global media footprint uh, people who want to have more power behind their voice more visibility behind their messaging now do you run into situations where people look good on paper or it looks like they've got all this expertise but you can see that they're still clearly uh, blocked with confidence issues maybe because they're they're worried about the fact that they're in an oversaturated industry and they don't even know where to start
0: yeah, I mean, it certainly runs the gamut where you have people who fit the opposite mold, you know, where they just on paper, they look absolutely weak and and you just don't you would never expect much out of them in terms mm-hmm. of their being able to help people in a, you know, in a really powerful, meaningful way. And then you talk to them and you realize, geez, you know, they, they just need to do a better job of positioning who they are <laughs> because they've right. got so much to offer. Uh, and then, of course, you, you have the opposite where you have people who just look really good on paper, but you talk to them and you might as well just be, you know, talking to a monument because it just it's got no personality. It's got <laughs> impact, There's no feedback, nothing going on there. You know, it's just an empty bag of rocks. And so that's one of the reasons, too, why we created uh, my team and I created the New Media Summit because, well, I'm sure you can appreciate this. I mean, we get, I don't know, 30, 40 pitches a week. For people okay. to to be on our show, Reinvention Radio. And to that point, I mean, some people look really good on paper. And then you bring them on the show and it's just like, Jimmy, that was a just an enormous waste of time. So, you know, <laughs> the reality is we created the, the New Media Summit because we were looking for really good guests and a, and a way to get people to cut to the front of the line and, and get them booked on our shows. But, you know, the truth of the matter is... Being able to uh, let's just let's just say being a, a good uh, interviewee is a skill, you know, and, and it's a skill that a lot of people just don't have because they haven't been formally trained. And there's a lot to be said for talking in sound bites and actually having a dialogue uh, and understanding that you're really there to entertain, engage, and, edu- and educate. And most people just want it to be all about who they are, and that's that's a huge mistake.
1: Right. Right, beautiful. Well, I want to say personally for the global listeners here, you may or may not know this, but it was not that long ago that uh, Steve very graciously invited me onto his show. And I can tell you, it's, you're running a good show there. You can, I've, I've been invited to, um, and I'm always grateful for every opportunity people extend to me. It's not something I take lightly or for granted, but you can tell the caliber of different people's shows. You can tell the confidence level behind the interviewer. Uh, you can tell their skill sets and stuff. And I just want to say you're, you're cream of the crop, so good on you, Steve. Steve, and I want to say again, thank you very much. It was an
0: honor. I appreciate that. And you know, reality is we do things a little bit differently at Reinvention Radio because we do it more what I would call morning zoo style. And Mm -hmm. and that's something that you've got to figure out if you're going to have your own show. Uh, Even if you're going to be a guest on other people's shows, obviously you need to understand the format and listen to a bunch of them before you're on that show. But if you're Mm -hmm. going to have your own show, you do have to figure out what format is going to make the most sense for you. When I say morning zoo, what I mean is – there's three of us, sometimes four of us, sometimes five of us in the studio, uh, that do the interview. Cause we actually, I mean, I lead the interview, but then I've got uh, others who, uh, are on there with me and have been on with me now for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, a morning zoo style program is, is an option for you if you don't want to go with this alone. I mean, what Lisa, what you're doing here, uh, is, uh, more of a, obviously an interview style show, right? Where you, mm-hmm. you bring people on and, uh, and of course there's other formats as well, but you know, just, it's not a one size fits all. And that's what I love about this podcasting world, mm-hmm. um, is there's, there's flexibility there, there are, there really are no rule books.
1: Well, and I love your style. I mean, because initially when I was invited to be a guest on your show, I thought it was just you and I. And then when I started to see other people's names attached to it, I thought, okay, this is a co-hosting type thing. And, um, And I just thought, you know what? This is really nice. This is a breath of fresh air because I, I don't think I've been interviewed by anybody who has set it up to be designed in such a way. And I thought, well, that's nice because it it brings different elements of perspective and experience from all of you to the table. But I I would also be interested to know too, because I mean, for everything that we endeavor to do, Stephen, you would know this. Sometimes things are a blessing. Sometimes they're a curse. Or, you know, uh, and. of course, when I say that, I always want to err on the side of positivity. That's what I'm all about. But do you find sometimes when you're in the flow with a particular guest, but you know that you know you don't want to um, monopolize all the airtime? And of course, we know these interviews go exceptionally fast. Do you ever think, oh, geez, I wish it was just me and and this particular guest, but I do, out of courtesy and respect, and for the nature of how our program's designed, I do have to turn over the mic to. My co-host here. Do you ever get those moments where you think, "I wish this was a one-off"?
0: Well, I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, everyone gets equal mic time, right? So, you know, I, I mean, it's it's kind of Howard Stern-esque in yeah. terms of. I mean, I lead the charge on it, and I get in my questions when I need to. But uh, reality is that the the folks who I have on—Mary Goulet, Richie Ote—and White mm-hmm. Wade, our producer, chimes in and Kelly Poker comes on at times as well. Um, reality is they just they they all bring a very unique perspective, as you said, to the table. And what we find with our audience uh, is that some people actually mm, like Mary more than they like me. Some people like <laughs> Rich more than they like, me. you know, because like Mary is very conservative and she's very religious. And so, you know, she brings that. Uh, side of the equation to the table and so she's more pragmatic more practical i'm a little more brash a little more on your face a little more you know yeah. i'm not going to let you hide behind these these questions and answers here where you're just giving me you know peanuts i i, I want i want the truth i want the yeah. answer and so uh, mary you know maybe a little more cordial but ask things in a way that um, you know, is, is, um, just kinder and gentler. So, you know, I, I, yes, of course, there are times where, um, it might be nice just to conduct that interview, uh, as, as a solo interviewer. Uh, but reality is for the most part, uh, and I would say 99 times out of a hundred, uh, I certainly uh, am, am very much in favor of the format that we've chosen.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm glad I didn't uh, drop any f bombs on your show. Now that I know kind of what Mary's all
0: about. Well, no, but that's the thing is you can, right? And we, you know, we have it all the time. So it's not, you know, not I, I'm guilty of that for sure. And right, yeah, and it happens.
1: Okay, all right. Well, it's good to know that Mary can roll. Awesome. So, uh, you know, going back to reinvention, and I, I love the reinvention piece. I love the fact that that's what your show is. Um, I, I, I love all. Of what that entails, what that embodies, and what that is indicative and represents. I would be interested to know, Steve, you know, for somebody, and this obviously would speak to outside of your 25 years plus experience as an entrepreneur, I'm sure you've had to rebrand yourself, uh, you know, you've had to reinvent yourself many times for many different reasons, but if you can look back on the juncture, the journey of your life from past to current, what would be the one epiphany or the one crisis or the one debacle or being in the abyss or whatever you want to call it or refer to it as that made you go, okay, this is all about reinvention. And this is what speaks to me specifically. What would that yeah. be for you in terms of your backstory?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, um, I have no shortage of stories <laughs> around that. as. Uh, man you know i was like "Mm, which one should i pick but i think the (laughs) i think that the 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 most uh, you you know in business you're gonna have ups you're gonna have downs i mean you're gonna have you're gonna have successes you're gonna have uh, what others term as failures i mean i don't believe there's any such thing as failure i just choose to view failure as success with an unintended ending right it's Mm. like you know okay we didn't really mean for that to happen but it did Mm. um but you know, reality is in terms of that, that fork in the road, that juncture, if you will, where I kind of had that, that, you know, that wake up call. Uh, it really stems back to, I'm um, going to say that was, God, what year was that? I want to say it was right around 2008, 2009. I, sh- I should know better, but I smoke way too much weed and I can't remember <laughs> for the life of me. Um, well, it's not legal in Canada, so you guys are good. Um Right. Almost, or be... almost, 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 almost,
1: um, yeah, you guys need to follow our politics as much as we're having to choke on your politics. Oh, it's quite crazy. God,
0: <laughs> yeah. We could, we could go down that path. One of these interviews, but, uh, but you know, reality is, uh, that it, it my current work was, was really, um, it was really born out of uh, a, a wake up call that I had when I was, um, in my, uh, late thirties, early, early forties. Um, and basically, as you said, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 plus years. Uh, and I had done pretty much everything under the sun from an entrepreneurial perspective from, uh, nightclubs and catalogs and dot coms and real estate. I mean, you name it, I've, I've done it over the years and, um, Again, uh, going back nine, ten years or something of that nature, it was uh, it was a moment of, of clarity that came with, uh, unfortunately, the passing of my stepfather um, who was very much a father to me, raised me since I was 10. I mean, my folks got divorced when I was seven and then he came on the scene uh, when I was 10. So, uh, you know, very much a father to me, um, raised me as much. Uh, as if I were his own, as he could, um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, at, at this point here, and uh, again, late—let's just call it late two thousand eight, two thousand nine—he was in his final days of of life. And as I was sitting bedside with him, I I, I was holding his hand, and unfortunately, he could no longer communicate, but. I, w- I was sitting bedside with him, holding his hand, um, and I had a vision of of my funeral, not actually uh, of his funeral, but of mine. Mm. And, and and I could, it was a very interesting scene, because I mean, I was in the, the casket, and I was literally being lowered into the earth, and I could you know, see little specks of daylight kind of coming through here and there, but I could actually hear uh, what was being said as I was being lowered into the earth, and the words that were spoken graveside were basically, "Here lies Steve Olsher. He dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar," and that's all mm-hmm. that was said. Wow! And and it really hit me hard because it was clear that you know, my stepfather was trying to show me my inevitable fate unless I changed course because. Having been in real estate development at that point and developed over fifty million dollars in property and so on, I mean my life was pretty good for me and those closest to me but but really no one else mm-hmm. and And that was him basically saying, you know look this this is going to be your inevitable fate unless you figure out how to do something more meaningful
1: mm-hmm. in the
0: world and and that 's where I kind of laid the gauntlet down and I just said, you know, I need to I need to try to do more here. I need to try to do something uh, that will be of value to to more than just uh, those in my closest circle. And let me try to share some of the wisdom that I have acquired over the years in in an attempt to really help others avoid a lot of the brain damage and trials and tribulations that I had incurred. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where I started down the path of doing more of this writing and teaching and speaking and so on.
1: Interesting. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And as you were uh, sharing that with us, Steve, you know, it dawned on me for you to have had that kind of dream insight uh, visual, whatever you want to refer to that, for what that was, and I know that you know when when we're experiencing death, it's it's a very emotional time. Everything's heightened, so perhaps that was mainly what brought about what you just described for us. But it sounds to me like you were already at that point to have had that vivid of a dream or a vision of the future, if you will, a prediction or premonition that you already. Had that sense of intrinsic insight, that emotional intelligence, would you not characterize yourself as already having been that way, but maybe just perhaps misguided
0: uh, i I mean look anything is is possible. I will say that i mean to this day i'm not I'm not a very woo or spiritual type person i mean i'm I can be compassionate and mm-hmm. you know I can certainly try to put myself in in other people's shoes but um uh, i'm not i'm not one of those naturally wired folks to tap into the universe and you know try to get these downloads and this that and the other i mean that I, I was obviously open to receiving whatever that vision was right but uh but at the same token uh i don't think that i would have had that uh that experience if uh if if he hadn't uh, connected with me in that way in that moment. Beautiful.
1: And why do you think you're not wired that way? I mean, you know, maybe it's not something you want to analyze. Maybe you don't care to analyze because the way in which your life is working is working for you. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I certainly get that. And sometimes we can overanalyze things to death. And obviously it's more important that you just accept and love yourself and appreciate who you are for who you are and accentuate your strengths. But um, I I do find it interesting, though, when people – Such as what you just did. You, you know, you proclaim that you declare that. And why do you think that you're not predispositioned or wired in such a way or or because do you relate that to uh, are you equating this to warmth? You don't see yourself as overly a warm person, but you do see yourself as obviously compassionate. Is that kind of where you're going?
0: Well, I mean, I don't think there's any correlation between being spiritual and being warm. I think you can be warm without being a spiritual that's true. person. Um Very true. I, I, I wouldn't correlate the two. I, I would say that I'm more pragmatic. I'm more practical. Okay. And I would say that, you know, people talk about the law of attraction. I, You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's true or it's false. I'm more of a believer in the law of proaction, which oh, is, like you know, you actually have to take, and that's mine, trademark, sorry. Um, but, you know, <laughs> you have to, I mean, I just think you have to, actually makes it happen. Like, I mean, it's not going to happen unless you make it happen. You can wish till the cows come home and, you know, try to get on a certain vibrational level and this, that and the other. But I I just don't, I just don't believe it. I mean, I don't believe that uh, at the end of the day, anything happens for us or, or to us. I mean, with very rare exception of, you know, terrorist attacks or these sort of things, I'm just I'm not a believer of of that whole sort of uh, and look I I'm not knocking it I just don't no? believe that we can sit here and and try to pray for something to happen unless we're willing to take the steps necessary and put it into action uh in order for whatever it is that we want to bring to fruition uh for it to come to fruition so mm-hmm you know, all we have to do is um, is look uh, historically at, uh, at what has happened in this world with people uh, who uh, have had the desire to to help others, but have waited for um, some sort of sign or someone else to, to help make that happen for them, um, mm-hmm. or something else to help make that happen for them. And We know those results are. But I think, you know, the bigger issue more than anything else for me is I just don't believe that there's uh, a God who is sitting here with this agenda for each and every one of us trying to figure out what's going to happen next.
1: I don't agree with that either you and I are on the same page with that although I do subscribe to law of attraction but I don't believe in anything without it being coupled with massive action and because I really believe in energy I really believe in energy and the vibrational energy that we emit and I think for the people who go around and say you know why does the same shit keep showing up and it's it's counterintuitive to what it is that you so-called proclaim to want to see in your life therefore that's indicative of there's certain blocks whether you don't believe that you're deserving you don't believe that you're worthy whether that's entrenched in your subconscious, whatever you want to refer to that as being. Uh, But I definitely believe in universal signs. Uh, I don't believe in God per se. I don't think that there's anybody who is orchestrating this on our behalf. Um, But I do think there's a bigger picture. And I think there's more uh, going on here than perhaps what we're willing to give credit to. But certainly for what I do believe in, I do definitely believe that it's coupled with massive action. And I do believe in accountability. And I do believe in being proactive. And I love your trademark. That's just brilliant. <laughs> um, so let's just go on to – I want to talk about the podcasting specifically because you are top at the top with the podcasting. You know what's going on. Uh, you're the real deal. Um, you're helping other people. You're anchoring other people up. You're, you know, you're getting them going in their own business. Now, for people who are doing podcasting, you and I have very different business models in terms of our monetization. Um, but for people who are not monetizing their podcasts, and Perhaps some people who actually have been doing it for quite some time or they have a genuine buy-in, they have huge followers. Why are people not monetizing and what would you say to these people who aren't and why you believe they should be?
0: Well, you know, look, I, there's that in and of itself is, uh, is a conversation uh, that could take us uh, – well, True. actually, we, we do an event called the New Media Summit where we talk right. exactly about that. <laughs> For days and days and days. Um, but, you know, look, the, the, the reality is, and I appreciate the compliment, the reality is that most people believe that podcasting is a business. Mm-hmm. And what I will say is that from my perspective, uh, it's not a business, but there is a business of podcasting mm-hmm. that people need to, um, you know, look, when you look at, put it to way, when you look at podcasting as a business, You're typically looking at it from the standpoint of how can I uh, attract advertisers? How can I attract sponsors? How can I actually make money from the show? And reality is that unless you're NPR, uh, unless you're ESPN, unless you're one of those who got in the game very early and you benefit from that ascending spiral of Being popular, so you show up in the rankings, and when you show up in the rankings, people listen to your show, and when people listen to your show, your downloads increase, and when your downloads increase, you show up in the rankings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that ascending popularity spiral is something that is really hard for most mere mortals to break into. So discoverability, search, you know, finding your show for most is pretty tough. So you're, I mean, come on, you're Joe Rogan with 30 million downloads a month. I mean, then then you could look at your podcast as a mm-hmm. business because you've got people who are willing to pay for that. I mean, just based on you know simple you know math here, if you've got thirty million downloads, you could easily command three hundred k a month mm-hmm. in advertising. I mean, that's just how the numbers work. So uh, that's a, you know that's the three point six million dollar business just from the podcast itself. But for most people. You know, that's that's not going to happen. So so the question is, what are your other options for monetizing your visibility? And I will tell you this, which is most people cannot monetize their visibility in terms of having a podcast or even being a guest on a podcast because they don't have. I mean, there's a lot of different steps to this, but the most important step for anyone, if you have a show or you're a guest on a show is to have what we call the $1,000 funnel. You I need, was going to ask
1: you about that. You beat me to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you need to have a $1,000 funnel in place, and I call it the $1,000 funnel, uh, trademark, <clears throat> uh, but, <laughs> no, trademark, but I call it the $1,000 funnel because basically every time I appear on a show, I'm able to generate about $1,000 in income. Now, sometimes it's a lot less, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's a lot more, just depending on listenership. Uh, but that's about the rule of thumb, and most hosts that I know uh, and the majority of guests that I know uh, and that we see uh, just don't have even that, that first piece in place. And, of course, there's uh, a, a lot more to that. I, mean, I, I teach something called the 7 by 7 model, which are the seven initiatives that we implement to fuel our seven-figure business. So the $1,000 funnel – Uh, is one of those seven. And, you know, if you can just start there, I think it would make a a big difference towards uh, leading you towards monetization.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm going to add to what you said about the business because, I mean, this is... As a serial solopreneur, this is one aspect of my business. It's not just a hobby. It's not a nonprofit. It's, you know, and I think it's really difficult for people in the podcasting industry. And again, we are so oversaturated. So, yes, you do have to find ways that are signature to you that make you stand out in such a way that you and your guest in conjunction with one another, you are resonating. Your message is landing. And so, for me, I'm fortunate that I'm connected with two global platforms. So, there is trackability. There is metrics. There is staff and because I am very consistently able to attract top-tier guests such as yourself, Steve, it's a big draw. And now being on iHeartRadio, that has certainly helped. That's going to double my stats. My point being, though, is... If I don't see the value of what I'm doing, therefore, the people who I'm uh, prospecting or who come to me and say, How do I get on your oversubscribed show, Lee? So you've had some real awesome guests. I'm all about personal development. I'm all about entrepreneurial. I'm all about, you know, I've got a book, I've got a webinar, I've got a whatever. I do live fearlessly. How do I get on living fearlessly? Well, when I walk people through the conversation of what they're getting as a result of being showcased on my show, and it's not just being a guest showcase for 55 minutes there's a lot of other things that come about uh that's a win-win for everybody um but it's really opening people's eyes to how much work goes on in the back end i actually pay a team to do professional graphics we actually do spend a lot of time doing things you know and based on algorithms and analytics and buffering things out and doing things strategically so i mean there's a lot of things that people are so quick to discount in terms of seeing it as an actual business where there is a rate of return on the rate of investment. I don't go to a gas station and fill up my vehicle and expect that, We're going to always be bartering um, an exchange of services or that people should give me things for free. I don't go into the grocery store and put things in my cart and go load up my vehicle and say, okay, I'll catch you next time. You know, we'll do a IOU or whatever. You know, I think sometimes people just need to be educated. People think, oh, you know, this is all about ego. It's all about narcissism. No. The message that I bring every single week and knowing all the work that goes into it and the fact that I am jazzed up, I am passionate, and I am dedicating a lot of my time, which takes time out of other aspects of what I do, um, you know – why shouldn't i be compensated for that i'm providing a business and a lot of the people who i have showcased it's resulted in unforeseen opportunities increased social media footprint uh, all kinds of interview opportunities by other people who have a dis- different business model therefore they're getting showcased numerous times for free and they get all these links that go up on their website and then they're looked upon as an expert in their industry or i get them blogging for ariana Huffington's thrive global i mean the list goes on but i i i think if people are going to take you seriously and understand that you are running a business this is a service and for me it's about impact and enriching other people's lives no different than what you're doing Steve um yeah I'm sorry I'm not running a nonprofit here I mean I'm I do a lot of things in my spare time as a good human being and have done that long before I was ever involved in media specifically um but that's very separate that's my personal life this is a business um so I I I, we might be saying similar things and communicating it differently. Maybe we're not saying the same thing, but that's my standpoint on that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, look it's to each his own. Right. And yeah. so I don't actually look at, um, I mean, I don't look at the, the podcast as a revenue source. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't. And mm-hmm. there are, there are plenty uh, of folks who who want to look at the podcast as a, as a source of revenue mm-hmm. for for me, you know, it's everything else that we do that truly becomes uh, you know sort of the, the revenue generator, the business model, if you will, is is everything else that we do as it complements the show, but again, not not the show itself,
1: right. Right. Well, regardless, whatever you're doing, it's working and it's working exceptionally well. Um, and my team is going to be talking to you about the $1,000 funnel. Uh, I can assure you about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, as far as other things that are upcoming for you, whether you have another media summit planned or scheduled uh, in various locations or cities, or how often you're doing this, maybe you have a projected calendar in place, maybe you don't. Um, but what what would you want the listeners to know, Steve? How they can follow you, where they can track you, where they can buy your books, where they can have an initial consult with you or get invited on your show or see if they meet the criteria for such?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we are definitely doing, uh, well, other media summits, new media summits. We've got uh, one scheduled for September. So the next one is September 11th through the 13th uh, in Austin, Texas and so that's uh yeah that's that's gonna be super exciting we've got a, a an amazing group of uh, icons of influence as we call them the podcasters that will be there looking for guests so september 11th through the 13th uh, NewMediaSummit.net uh, is the best place to get more information on that and uh, after that we're going to do another one in february in florida so yeah Beautiful. lots uh, lots of new media summits on the horizon here
1: lovely and any other books you have time to write anymore
0: I know, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I've been I've been kicking around, been kicking around a couple of book ideas. I haven't written a book since 2013, uh, and uh, I think I'm kind of due. You know, it's uh, yeah. I think it's about time, <laughs> no doubt. Now,
1: do you do you have a, a book specific to the Media Summit, or is, is that possibly an idea? Uh, you know, combining all of that.
0: Well, you know, my um, we we have a a number of different programs, uh, around podcasting and new media and so on. Uh, one of the programs that I have is called profiting from podcasts. Uh, so I think if I were to write a book on that subject, it would probably be profiting from podcasts, but, uh, you know, at this juncture, no, no, uh, no, no plans to put any of that in writing. I mean, we've got a, a year long program. We do called icon maker, where we teach people the seven by seven model on how to uh, really get into uh, this game of monetizing their expertise. So it's uh, there's it a lot of a lot of stuff going on. We mentioned the launch your podcast two day intensive uh, as well that we do in the thousand dollar funnel. So <laughs> there's, there's wow. no, no shortage of uh, products, programs and services.
1: Fantastic. And so as somebody who is, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, that being indicative of somebody who's innovative, somebody who's creative, somebody who's got a million ideas coming to them at the same time, not that your plate isn't already over fill, full, um, What else do you envision for yourself? What else would you like to see yourself or you already envision yourself? It's just a matter of finding the right time and and place and opportunity to to execute. But what else do you see for yourself, Steve, that would be a new venture, something a little bit different from what you're already doing?
0: Well, uh, I, I do have an idea around that. And, you know, frankly, uh, it might seem like we're doing a million different things, and we we kind of are, but they're all very much related to helping people discover, share, or monetize their their what, right, as I call it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: this Launch Your Podcast two-day intensive is something that was born uh, out of the demand from the New Media Summit, the $1,000 funnel, and offering that was born out of the New Media Summit, right? So, I mean, it's all, uh, it's all very much related, but on kind of a, a separate note here, uh, one of the things that uh, that I'm doing, we have a new show. Uh, so we still have Reinvention Radio, and then we have a new show called The Best Business Podcast. And on that show, uh, we only feature entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million uh, or currently run $10 million plus businesses. And so part of what uh, you know, I've always been fascinated with uh, is that whole world of uh, opportunity funds and venture capital and so on. So, um, at some point here in the in the near future, I'll, uh, I'll put together a fund to invest in various uh, opportunities. And I think the first fund, at least my target for the first fund is twenty five million. Uh, wow. And we'll and we'll go from there. But it'll give us the opportunity to invest in uh, businesses that we think have uh, tremendous potential.
1: Beautiful. And would the fund be named in the honor of your stepfather? Maybe? Oh, hell no. No, oh,
0: not, yeah. not, at, all. not okay. at all. No, it would it, probably be I mean, I've been I've been DJing as uh, as Mr. Bold, as right. uh, Mr. Bold, my DJ name for uh, for a long time and bold Twitter. development and so Twitter on. Names. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, it'll probably just be the Bold Opportunity Fund. I think we'll stay with that brand.
1: OK, you're pretty quick to say hell no to the
0: stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I loved him and he gave me a great vision there, but no, I'm, I'm, uh, no, no okay. need to honor him any more than I already do. Okay. Beautiful. Love it. Um,
1: now for anybody, I mean, for the people who are listening, who, cause you're quite, you're very charismatic, Steve, and people love guests that are charismatic. We have a lot of guests on the show, but you know, being charismatic is, is something exceptionally, uh, it's just an added bonus. And so, um, what would you say to people, who are in the podcasting world, uh, people who are, you know, contemplating embarking upon the podcasting world. What in your opinion, as somebody who is very successful at podcasting, what when you look at all the different people out there doing podcasting, what stands out for you as okay, that you don't have to name people specifically, but in terms of the qualities, the core ingredients, what they bring, what they execute, what do you think really separates the crowd? What you so- know in terms
0: of, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we talked about the ascending spiral earlier and trying to break into that is super hard. So what is a, a mere mortal to do if they want to get into podcasting? Um, and what I have found, and look, we can talk about production and this, that and the other, but that, I don't really give two hoots about that. What, yeah. what I think is, uh, if you will, the winning formula as far as podcasting is concerned today um, is really all about focusing on the people that you are most compelled to serve and Mm. stop looking at the downloads, stop worrying about the news and new and noteworthies and so on and the what's hot. I mean, if that happens, great. But at the end of the day here, the best opportunity for you to monetize a show is to create a show that really complements your expertise and provides the solution to the problem that those you are most compelled to serve have. So, if you, i um, not sure how much time we have left, but I can give you a quick example here of what I think is a great uh, formula or framework for a winning show. Do we have that yeah, time?
1: Yeah, we've got about four minutes left.
0: All right, sweet. So one of my private clients uh, had shared with me before she was a client, she had shared with me how she had um, recently done a speaking gig and how she was just so happy about the gig because it went over so well and the outpouring of love uh, that she received after the gig was something that she had never experienced before, and I asked her what the major difference was, and she shared with me that she um, uh, she had revealed that she has genital herpes, mm-hmm. and that she had gotten that when she was much younger in college and so on. But it was the first time publicly that she had shared that, and at the time she was doing a show called Sex Money Food, which is you know one of these generic general type shows mm-hmm. that doesn't really land with an audience anywhere. And I just told her, I said, look, you know, I think you actually have a huge opportunity here to create a show that specifically focuses on people living with herpes. And Mm -hmm. she was fascinated by the idea. uh, And I helped her to create a show that's called Life with Herpes. And I mean, it's really just made a tremendous difference for her, because not only does she, of course, get to live in that vulnerable, authentic place where people can really bond with her. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that when it comes to podcasting, it's a pull media channel. In other words, people pull what they want when they want it and on their preferred device. So if somebody is downloading an episode, they're choosing to to take that, right? So it's basically like a 100% opt-in rate, a 100% click-through rate. So anyone who listens to a show called Life with Herpes either has it, Mm -hmm. knows or loves someone who does, or is in that profession. And so, and so are her downloads, you know, massive? No, but everyone who listens to that show is an ideal prospect for her products, programs or services. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's the winning formula right now.
1: Absolutely. What a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to look her up. Maybe she wants to come on my show. There you go. Um, Yeah. Yeah. See, you're a connector. Um, But Steve, unfortunately, these shows always go away too quickly for my liking, but you're always welcome. You have a standing invitation to come back here anytime it fits into your schedule. Please know that. Uh, Once again, I want to thank you for extending me the opportunity and the honor to be a guest on your show. Absolutely love what you're doing, everything that you're doing. You're doing phenomenal things. So for my listening audience, I want to thank you once again for taking time out of your schedule, for joining myself and my guest, Steve Olsher. Today, here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Uh, please remember, you can eventually find the podcast link over on my host page, also Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, on the C Suite Radio Network. I'd like to once again thank my uh, podcast subscribers, over half a million now, as well as all the loyal listeners, the testimonials, the feedback. More importantly, and Steve really hit home with this point it's about you know, being there for other people, getting your message to land and providing a service uh, to other people. So I believe that we're doing that. And I want to thank you very much for reinforcing that. We go live, as you know, every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 o'clock Central, and 11 o'clock Eastern. So I look forward to being back with yet another phenomenal guest next Friday. Wishing you all a fantastic weekend, love and gratitude. I'm here to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Take care. All my best. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with Lisa
0: McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.